Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And my very special guest today is Rob Sadow of Scoop. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Scoop's a Cruise Consulting client. It's one of our coolest clients. I've been watching this company for a very long time, and it's a pleasure to have Rob on the podcast. Thanks for coming by. Maybe tell everyone how you had the idea for the company in the first place. Sure. So... Scoop is a technology company that's making carpooling work at scale, and we're really focused on the commute and how do you take what, for most people, can be the worst part of their day and something depletes you before you even get into the office, and actually turn that into meaningful time or something that feels like adds value or adds energy to your day. In some ways, this started back with my brother and I growing up. My brother is my co-founder, and we grew up in Atlanta. And when I was in high school, you know, my high school was 25 miles away from where I lived. And so when I was 16, I found myself driving 250 miles a week back and forth to school. And for us, it was always more energy related than financial actually in nature. What does it feel like to sit in traffic each way every day? Stress about whether you're going to be where you need to be on time. Energy level at the end of the day was a big part of our experience growing up. And for quite a while, I went to college in Philadelphia, never really thought about commuting. Uh, lived in Manhattan for a while, would walk or take the subway, never really thought about it. I came to the Bay Area in late 2013, and my brother John had already been out here. He was working at Google at the time. And in this funny way, it was like this reconnection with the experience of commuting growing up, where everybody I knew was driving an hour or an hour and a half or two hours each way. And so it started as something that was familiar to us. And then it became a real passion area as we learned about how it impacts people's lives. And that passion led to us starting to, to tinker a little bit and play with ideas that eventually became Scoop. Yeah. I used to work, I mean, that's an amazing idea. And I can totally relate to the passion or that the energy suck that comes with commuting. I used to work at a venture capital fund and commuted down to Sand Hill Road for nine years from San Francisco to Menlo Park every day. And it just like absolutely killed me. And you, you also don't realize sometimes the toll it takes on you, both physically and mentally. So that's really cool that you're like, you're addressing this. Like it's probably also the only great thing that's ever come from Atlanta traffic. Like I've, Atlanta <laughs> traffic's legendary, right? Like it's really bad. It, get wor- it gets worse every time I go back. I was just there for Thanksgiving and it's worse. I think the Bay Area probably gives it a run for its oh, money. Oh really? Though. Oh God. Well, so every time you go back for Thanksgiving now, you can look at the traffic and be like, this helped me start an awesome yeah. company. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a funny story. When I was at Bain, I used to work with a company that was based in Herald Square in New York, a retail company. And what the executives would say is anytime they were trying to think through a problem or their experience, they would go down and walk the floor because they would see customers interacting, shoppers, and it would help them be inspired or give them ideas. It's the same thing I tell my teams. Anytime you think about how important what we do is go drive over the Bay Bridge at rush hour and tell me how you feel. <laughs> I, I've been stuck in that traffic a million times. I totally relate. Maybe t- talk a little bit more about the service and kind of, because there's a, there's a corporate aspect to this that I think is super fascinating and a way for corporations to give back to their employee base that I love what you guys are doing there. Sure. So you know, we partner as a go-to-market. We partner with enterprises to bring Scoop to their employee base with the idea of being that we really solve quite often two core challenges that enterprises are struggling with. One is on the real estate and facility side and quite often relates to parking. So if you are running out of parking spots, you're thinking about making a massive investment in a new parking structure, you're going to have to move sites that can be incredibly disruptive or expensive. And so we'll partner with large organizations to reduce vehicle trips back and forth. And the other is all around employee base and experience. So how do you recruit folks that are coming from far away? 
How do you retain employees that have tough commutes? How do you move the needle on the fundamental energy level and productivity of your employee base on a day-to-day basis? Those are the types of uh, challenges or opportunities that quite, we quite often will partner with large organizations on. What that looks like in practice is Scoop offers a managed carpool program for enterprises. So you can think about it really in three pieces. You know, one, how do you engage your employee base to get excited about carpooling, download the Scoop app, start scheduling trips? Two is how do you actually get people to take trips, right? So facilitating, matching people into carpools, the customer support, making sure nobody gets stuck, all of the things that are required to deliver a really great carpool experience. And then third is impact. How do you understand how many of your people are participating, how many trips they take, what does that mean in terms of cars out of your parking lot or carbon emissions reduced or connections made across? Uh, we bundle those three things together into our managed carpool program and partner with enterprises on yeah. it. There's so much in there. That's amazing. So one of the things we've, when we've experienced churn in the past, it's almost all, and we're small. Your companies are like, what, Fortune 500? Like you have huge Generally, they're the largest employers within any given area. So that's a whole different kind of bundle of wax. But for us, a lot of the churn in our employee base is actually because of the commute. Because people, and I'm the one sitting in these interviews where I'll be like, are you sure you can do an hour commute? Are you sure you can do a 45 minute commute? And when it's fresh and new and they're hungry to get a job, the answer is always yes. And they have this very determined look in their eye. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is going to be tough. Like, this is going to be really hard. And all, you know, three months later, they just can't do the commute. I don't blame them. Like, it's a huge impact on your quality of life. So have you guys put together studies or how do you articulate that? To the corporate, or they, do they already know it's a problem? Well, I think they implicitly know it's a problem, but we've started to be able to bring some data that I think really helps yeah. dimensionalize it. You know, there's some work that's been done by organizations like Glassdoor, and you know, for a long time it's it's been known that you know the the commute is one of the top five drivers of what will cause someone to take or to ultimately leave a job. Yeah. So it's already kind of understood in that way. Uh, but we've done quite a bit of research actually with our enterprise partners on what Scoop does, how it impacts the commute. One of the crazy statistics that came out of it is that a third of the commuters that were using Scoop said they're actually staying at their company longer because they were using Scoop and carpooling because it was fundamentally changing the experience they were having on a that's, day-to-day basis. That's amazing. That's so nice. And then another thing you were talking about was kind of educating the employee base and how to spread kind of usage throughout the, the company. Like, it seems like it would be a pretty viral thing in, internally at these companies, but how do you how do you encourage that, or are you seeing that kind of virality where people are sitting at the lunch table together and they start talking about Scoop? Sure. So there's a couple pieces to it, right? I always think about it in, in two parts. One is you have to launch well. It's important that day one people have a good carpooling experience because yeah. what you don't want to have happen is that some people will try and take a trip. They won't be able to. They'll leave the system. Other people will then sign up, and you never can quite get you know, get out of gravity. If that yeah, makes sense. or they're right. or they're bad mouthing you, even though it was like they took the, they were the first one. Right, and that's they, exactly right. And yeah. not everyone's as open minded working with startups as like we are. Anyone in the startup ecosystem knows how hard it is to be a startup, so they're very forgiving. Whereas maybe the people at a Fortune 500 company are maybe less forgiving? I don't think they're less forgiving. I think it's more that people have high expectations of what a first-time user experience or first-time customer experience should look like. And so regardless of whether you're a startup or a large established company delivering a product or a service, I think there's a certain expectation that goes along with that. And so we invest quite aggressively against that. So how do you 
create the right cadence of physical collateral and digital investment and people on the ground so that day one you've got enough people signed up and excited you can deliver a good experience. And then we'll refresh that over time with different types of of exciting marketing events. For example, quite often in the new year, we'll do new year, new commute type of events because it's a good time for people to think about it. And then it starts to take over quite a bit word of mouth. One of the interesting things about what we do is you know that there are a lot of people at your company, coworkers of yours that are commuting, obviously, but you don't know who lives where, right? And so it's not so easy to refer somebody who's on your exact route. But once you get to enough penetration through an employer, it doesn't really matter. You know that people are using it from all over the place. It just takes a little bit of work to get there. And the app does the work for you because it's being very kind of optimized and who's picking up who and things like that, right? That's right. So, So think about Scoop from a product or a app experience is trying to take all the things historically that made carpooling difficult and distill them down to the most basic intuitive experience possible so people can take trips. And so that includes each trip is booked one way at a time. Quite often people will go home with a different person they came to work with because people's schedules change day to day or change during the day. And when you want to take a trip with Scoop, you give us really basic inputs about a trip. So where are you coming from? Where are you going to? What time do you want to go? You can be really specific like 7 a.m. or give a range like 7 to 8 a.m. if you have more flexibility. And do you want to drive a ride? And all you have to do is give us those inputs. It probably takes about two seconds to put it in. We run an algorithm that looks at the entire system and says, what's the most efficient way to get everyone from home to work or work to home on that particular trip and matches people up. Yeah, I love that so much. I don't want to become across like overly enthusiastic, but I love the idea. Before I joined Cruise Consulting, I worked at a company I had invested in called Callisto Media for six months. And I was commuting from San Francisco to Oakland or Berkeley. And I actually signed up for like Lyft Line. I think it's it just validates everything you're doing because I didn't care about the money. I just thought it would be cool to ride to work with a different person every day and like get to know someone and not have just like this boring 30 minutes of like dead time. And Lyft Line like didn't work and it's, it didn't, it doesn't work for anything like that. Like, and I'm so glad that you guys actually built like a dedicated app to like actually do this. And it's, I mean, we have the benefit of knowing it's working, you know, like we can see what's going on with Scoop and like, it's totally working. Like you guys have really good momentum. So I, it's like almost like a testimonial here, but you, you did, you invented something that was in the back of my mind that I could never really articulate, but you're making it happen. Well, well thank you. And I think f- for us, it's really important to understand who do we focus on, right? What, yeah. what does the commuter look like? Yeah. If you think about companies, you're talking about Lyft and others, they were pioneers in this broader mobility space in terms of what does it mean from someone to get place to place, but really focused on short distances, right? If you're going a mile within a city, for example, what does that look like? But to your point, especially experientially, if you're going 10 miles or 20 miles or 50 miles each way every day and you don't live on a transit line, uh, those are folks that drive alone because that's a tough commute and it's a little bit different from a dynamic perspective. And so that's really where we focus. How do you bring coworkers and neighbors together to share trips over that distance? Uh, Not hiring or contracting any drivers. We don't own or lease any vehicles. It's really a very community-oriented experience anchored by employers. That's awesome. Have you? This is a crazy idea, but have you done anything where you let people put their interests into the app? Because like, it would be kind of fun for me to be able to ride with someone who's like a Golden State Warrior fan, because I'm a Golden State Warrior fan, and talk about Kevin Durant and Steph Curry for half an hour. Like, 
Is that too crazy or do people do stuff like that? It's not crazy at all. It's something we're investing quite heavily against right now. The way we've handled historically is people can pick favorites. Yeah, so you can say, I really love going with this person. Whenever our schedule is matched, can you match us together? Yeah. You also can do the opposite, by the way, which is block somebody and we won't tell that person you block them, but you'll never get matched with them <laughs> in the future. Yeah. There are interesting stories that emerge from that. Uh, we heard a story recently where there is a a LinkedIn person who was involved with Sales Navigator, one of their tools, yeah. and actually got matched together with a customer of Sales Navigator <laughs> and spent 45 minutes in the car basically doing an interview oh, on awesome. experience, right? And came back super energized with all these ideas on product or yeah. sales and experience. And so that idea of that magic that you can create in the car where you take this time that used to feel like wasted time and actually turn it into meaning because you make a friend or because yeah. it became a mentor at work or a random experience is actually super exciting to us and something that we're gonna try and be more deliberate about from a product perspective yeah. as we grow over time. That's so cool. You talked about launching well, which I really like that. It's always stuck with me. I had Lynn Perkins from Urban Center on this a long time ago. And she always talked about like they had a playbook. And this is something, by the way, Urban Center was in like 15 markets at the time. So they had, you guys I think are in two markets. So maybe you can talk about the markets you're in and the unique challenges. But have you guys developed like that sense of a playbook or how to go into a new market and how to launch well? Because I think that's, you really, you're opening my eyes to something like the first, you only get it one chance to make a first impression. And it's so important. Yeah, that's right. I think... For us, and it's obviously something that we are consistently refining and improving yeah. over time, everything always starts with our enterprise relationships. So we always look for anchor large employers within a new market that will help us launch well or have enough people, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you take a step back, what do large enterprises and what does that go-to-market strategy provide? It really provides two things, right? Um, one is scale. They're responsible or they have a lot of people going back and forth from the same yeah. area, which is foundationally important for carpet carpooling to work but the other half is trust right you're hearing about a solution through your employer and so you're either going with a co-worker or if it's not a co-worker it's probably someone who lives in your neighborhood and works at a company like yours and so you see fundamentally higher uptake now that's important because if we're launching in a new area and people aren't familiar with Scoop or the brand, yeah. right, then that trust matters yeah. a lot. So always start with large employers and then have very clear math around the way we think about it, which is, okay, how large does the employer or our initial launch partners need to be? If we do our marketing correctly, what do we do in terms of signups? From signups, how many of these people actually schedule trips? Yeah. Therefore, how many can we fulfill? And we continue to refine that playbook over time and have a team at Scoop within market operations that's specifically dedicated just to executing that yeah. well. And you probably have like metrics now where you've launched with enough big companies where you know that, I have no idea what the numbers are, but like on average, it's some percentage of, of uptake in the first six months and then it builds slowly, kind of like how any any internet service builds that word of mouth and people have good experiences with it. And then there's probably some, like in the past, I worked with companies like Angie's List that was doing this in many different markets and they, they would always talk about liquidity and having getting that critical mass moment. Is there like a... Or maybe this is maybe like a celebratory moment. Was there a moment in the San Francisco market where you're like, ah, oh, we nailed it. We got to liquidity. Like we got to critical mass. Did you feel that? For us, it really happens piece by piece, right? And I think one of the mistakes that 
it's easy to make when you think about markets is for us, the Bay Area is not one market, right? The Great Bay point. Area is actually Great. a collection of different places where people work. And that's why the commuting is so severe here. That's right. right. Yeah. If you take a step back, this is part of the challenge, I think, with carpooling and, and people who have tried to solve this problem historically is that, look, if you're driving down the highway and you look to your left and there's one person in the car, you look to your right, there's one person in the car. And so everybody with two eyes basically <laughs> says, oh, if I could put these people together, I'll reduce the number of trips on this corridor, less people on the highway and life will be better. Yeah. But in reality, as we were talking about, so the Bay Area is a collection of different places that people work. Every place that people work, take Palo Alto, for example, there's people driving in from all over the place. On each of those routes, you have to balance interest in driving and riding. And that's just the math of putting people in a car, let yeah. alone the experiential elements yeah. we were talking about before. And so when you talk about how do you know it really works, we focus on how do you get to a ability to fulfill trips that people can rely on scoop in a consistent way. Yeah. And we feel like you have to build that employment area by employment area piece by piece to get there. As you do, you get to really exciting developments. And one of the things that we've seen in the Bay Area that supports that, for example, is we don't just work with enterprises and office parks, but we've even had whole cities and counties that are oh, investing wow. behind scoop to reduce congestion or trips into and out of their areas. That's awesome. San Mateo County, for example, has a million dollar through an organization called CCAG, the City and uh, County Association of Governments, actually has a million dollar carpool fund where they actually invest to reduce the cost of all carpool rides and increase reimbursements to drivers wow. to make it more attractive. And so when you combine those couple of pieces together, enterprises that help anchor different employment areas or office parks and then adding to that public support because you're solving core issues for them or improving core experiences, you know, that's when we kind of know things are working and it yeah. gets really exciting. Yeah. Have you had any of these like big companies come to you and be like, oh, Rob, we were going to spend like $500 million on a giant parking garage, but we're not going to anymore. Sure. Scuba, that must feel so good. It feels great. You are delivering a better quality of life, a better fundamental experience for their employee base by doing that, you are actually moving the needle significantly from an ROI perspective yeah. on the real estate and human capital investments. Yeah. And oh that feels God. really good. The equivalent of that on the commuter side is when you hear people say, we used to have two cars in our household, but actually are we able to move down to one because one of us drives with Scoop and the other is a rider and that works, right? Or I didn't end up buying a car, which is a huge investment yeah. for a household, right? But I didn't feel the need to do that because I actually can use Scoop to get back and forth. So when we can move the needle, not just experientially, but actually move something that core from a financial perspective, yeah. it feels really good. You gotta feel so good about that because it's like allocation of assets. That if you worked at Bain, you like probably think this way, like how to allocate assets more efficiently and get the best best bang for your buck for people. They're not buying a twenty to forty thousand dollar car. That might enable them to put money in their kid's college education account. And all of a sudden their kid can go to Stanford or Harvard, Yale, whatever it is, instead of because you're getting compounding over 20 years, instead of like just investing in these like depreciating assets, which are cars you know. or, or live where you want to live. That's right? a great which point, too. Piece, yeah, because if you think about the Bay Area, one of the things that I'm personally very passionate about is that not just in the Bay Area, but across the United States, historically, 
physical mobility, right, is an incredibly huge indicator or driver of economic opportunity, yeah. which means the number of jobs you actually can access within your metro area has a huge impact on what your economic mobility is. And in some ways, it kind of links to the American dream at its core, yeah. right? And so if actually deferring that kind of investment means that you can live in a different place that gives you better access to different types of jobs that you might want, you're changing the entire prospects for that person in their life and their family. And I think for us, that's something that we're really passionate about. I totally, I 100% believe that because, and I hope this doesn't come across like, I know what we're doing is very special. And you, Rob, you work with our team here and they're all usually very young. We hire for like very young, hungry people, right? And they're, they go through this amazing metamorphosis over a couple of years where they just really learn accounting really well. And we spend a ton of time training them, right? It breaks my heart when some of the people who churned out are young and hungry and wanna learn and they're the exact kind of person that we wanted to, but just kind of physically and emotionally, the commute was just too much for them. And to your point, like maybe they couldn't, you know, for whatever reason, couldn't afford to live in San Francisco because it's so darn expensive, or they couldn't afford to live even in like South San Francisco because that's so expensive. So you're really kind of freeing these people up to pursue the exact job they want and making kind of where they live not a key ingredient in their decision making, That's which right. I, I totally respect that. Like that makes me really happy and excited for you. You're in San Francisco and you're in Seattle. Any learnings from those markets or or any of like high fives of like, oh man, those Seattle people really love to, to do this or any any friendly competition between the two markets? Yeah, not really friendly competition. <laughs> so the Bay Area, and I, and I say the Bay Area versus San Francisco because in reality we actually invest and probably put a lot less emphasis into and out of San Francisco yeah. because there's actually better public transit access sure. on a number yeah. of those corridors. Yeah. A lot more of what we do is you know, suburb to suburb or smaller city to smaller city. And so the Bay Area and the greater Seattle area are both our big markets and we yeah. started Bay Area, moved to Seattle. And I think for us, one of the most interesting things when we were younger as a company was, okay, well, second market's a big deal. Yeah. What does that look How'd like? You choose? And, well, it was a combination of a couple of things. And I think this is not just a scoop thing, but it's probably applicable to a lot of different companies. There's the math of what makes a good market, and then there's the practical opportunity that's yes. available to you, yes. right? So for us, if you think about the math of it, you can kind of imagine what makes a good market for what we do in terms of size of employment, types of employers, people's dependency on driving versus transit, yep. things like that. But then the rubber hits the road with actual enterprise opportunities. Yep, yep. And so there were a few companies in the greater Seattle area that were uh, really struggling with the commute or looking for opportunities to really differentiate from an employee experience perspective. And so you know, we took a shot at it and made that our second market and it's worked beautifully so oh, far. That's so. awesome. The obvious like most car culture economy in the, in the country has gotta be LA. So you guys gotta be like looking at that. We're certainly that exploring. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure your board's asking you that like every, every <laughs> Every board meeting. There's something you said early on, which I thought was really interesting. It kind of touches my personal life, which is you co-found this company with your brother. And of course I work with Vanessa and my wife and it's been this incredible journey for us. How has co-founding it, like I feel like we have this extra level of understanding and even like love and just friendship from doing this together and going to work every day. And there's definitely times where it's hard, but 99% of the time it's like way better. How's the experience gone with your brother and have you gotten that point or what's what's it like working with your brother? Yeah, sure. So look, I think the most important thing in starting any company or venture, whatever it might be, is that whoever you found the company with, 
you better believe that if the going gets tough at the end of the day, they're always going to act in your mutual best interest. Yeah. Because a lot of companies fail when there's falling out between founders or some type of issue. I know my brother obviously quite a quite a long yeah. time, and I think our, our parents would probably kill us if anything <laughs> we let business wise came between our personal relationship. And so at, at the end of the day, I just have deep implicit trust in him, and that he'll act in our best interest, and I'll act in our best interest. And I think that's foundationally important. The other half for us is that our backgrounds are so different. I was oh, in Bain and Company doing strategy consulting for yeah. a long time, was much more tuned toward concepts around business model and capital and things like that. My brother was a product manager at Google, oh. and so much more product oriented, engineering oriented, and so it created some natural splits. Uh, it also doesn't hurt that my brother is probably the smartest person I know and has the highest motor of anybody that I know, and so he's a pretty good person to team up with, awesome. but you know, all those things together make it a lot easier. We kind of found, we. I think what this is what you're saying is it took us a little while, but we, we kind of found our lanes to go into. And it sounds like you guys have done that. Like maybe he's more on the product and you're more on like the sales. And, and it's ever evolving, yeah. right? I think that what it means to have, you know, lanes quote unquote, when you're three people is different than 10 people is different. 50 people, yeah. you know, will be different as we move forward. And so you can't rest in that pursuit. You have to constantly be reevaluating yeah. and thinking about what's best for the company as you scale. And as long as you can have an open dialogue about that, it's helpful. If that shuts down, then you've got a whole bunch of other problems, right? But I think it becomes important to continuously revisit. Yeah, I totally agree. What may feel like a lane actually becomes so important to the company that you both need to work on it. Or maybe one of your lanes you start delegating to someone else because it's less important. It's less one of the things that we learned candidly along the way was that there are very few things that we should both work on. Right, and if both of us are working on it, it better be so important that if you get it wrong, it's gonna kill the company, right? Versus otherwise, it probably makes more sense for us to split energies. And so we would keep track of how many meetings or types of things that we were both involved in because it was a pretty good barometer for whether we were using our time efficiently. That's an incredibly wise statement. We're actually learning that right now. Like the last three months, we've really started making a conscious effort. But I think that's applicable, not just to like family members running a company, but to co-founders, even executive teams, if a task is requiring two people on your executive team, it better be important. That's or right. someone's not maybe optimizing the way they should be optimizing. So that's that's an awesome statement. I'm like the hugest fan, so I'm like glad to have finally met you. Maybe you can just kind of reiterate Scoop's value prop. And then I think there's a lot of people who work at like big companies like Google, Apple, those kind of places. If they want to get their company involved in Scoop, can you tell them where to reach out to you, how to find more information on Scoop? Sure. So just to reiterate what we do, our focus is really on offering a dramatically improved commute experience for carpoolers, or for commuters rather, by carpooling. And we partner with large enterprises, office parks, even some cities and counties to bring Scoop as a managed carpool program to those employee populations. And so if your employer is struggling with parking or wants to differentiate on employee experience, uh, Scoop is generally a pretty good fit for those types of organizations. And you can find out more information about us at our website, takescoop, T-A-K-E-S-C-O-O-P.com. Uh, the apps are also both available, uh, both in the App Store and the Play Store. So download Scoop and check it out. Awesome. It's a fantastic service, tons of momentum. Can't wait for to see where you guys go over the next couple of years. Thank you for coming on. Rob Sadow from Scoop. Checks it out at takescoop.com. All right, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.